This film was approved under the Motion Picture Code of Self-Regulation. And now... We're thinking in terms of a film. The question is... What are we trying to do with this movie? By George. That is a good question. Is everybody happy? Let's go! Hi, uh, welcome to Film Prom. My name is Chris, and I believe the most famous video game character is Pac-Man. Some, like my friend and co-host, Paul, would argue that Mario is the most famous. Hi, Paul. Hi. Yeah, I would argue that. I figured. <laughs> I almost thought you would do, like, the impression, but, you know, I think we oh. <laughs> we've burned a lot of uh, bridges doing impressions before, so... Um, it's a me, Mario. <laughs> Mario after a pandemic, I Mario's guess. He's a been, depressed. Mario's been through a lot. 2020 was hard on Mario. <laughs> he got a lot more action in 2020. He's just tired now. Yeah. Time for Mario to rest. And over in the uh, the block party over there in uh, the other country of Quebec, we have uh, Jacob. Hey, Jacob, how are you? Hey, hey. I'm doing great. How are you? I've missed you. It's nice to see your smiling face. I'm really, really glad to be back. It's been uh, two long years of not watching bad movies. So oh, good. I'm ready to start uh, punishing myself again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you out mean- west, that has a different connotation. But anyhow, yeah, I digress. <laughs> yes, and also here uh, with me in the room uh, from the Wexit party, is uh Arden. Hey Arden, how's it going? Is it the hair? Is it the hair that gives it away? Uh should I put on a southern drawl? Uh, hello. Nice to see you all again. <laughs> yeah, and for the listeners, it's amazing. Uh we're all looking at each other and you can't see us. It's gonna be fun. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so uh this season I wanted to make things better. Wanna make things better. I wanna Choose some ringer films, some films that really are so bad they're good. And I think tonight is going to be the first night where we see if I really did pick a ringer. Uh, yeah, so this, this movie was uh, from 1982. Uh, it was released the same month as Bambi, E.T., <laughs> Uh, the Thing, Blade Runner, Blade Runner, not Blade Runner. That's uh, a different movie. <laughs> family show here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, family show. Oh, sorry. Uh, Poltergeist, uh, Star Trek Two, which is uh, what's the subtitle of that one, Paul? Uh, the Wrath of Khan. Uh, again, uh, it's been so many years since we've hung out, and done podcasts. He's he's not picking up his cues. Oh, oh, uh, yeah. You're just supposed to shout Khan. Like, that's what, yeah. All right. He's not going to do it. No. No, there it is. (laughs) Now my daughters are awake. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's terrible. Um, And, oh, another movie that came out the same month in 1982. Grease 2. Oh, that was a classic. That was where I first saw Michelle Pfeiffer and fell in love. Hmm. Yeah. Grease 2 is ranked number 55 in the year 1982. Out of what, 50? 
No, out of like, you know, a hundred on box office mojo. Wow. Megaforce, the movie we watched, where did it rank? Did it rank? Uh, it is at 94. I know I got a 0% Rotten Tomato score. <laughs> really? Yep. Wow. Yeah, this movie is so good that Grease 2 performed better at the box office. <laughs> Listen, I would I would say it's a shame that that's the case because I feel like they're all on the same level, like technically speaking, in terms of <laughs> FX and everything. Bambi and this movie. <laughs> It's hard to tear the. Hard I mean, there were tears. Apart, there were tears in all yeah. the movies. You know, um, so that's mm-hmm. a very good point. That's a very good point. I, and to be fair, Greece too was riding on the success of the Greece cinematic universe. So <laughs> <laughs> the GCU. GCU. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we can't all have a cool rider. Um. I know more of the lyrics from that movie than I care to admit. So let's just, let's just move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Megaforce, uh, AKA driving through the desert while mansplaining the movie. Um, it, it was, <laughs> it, it's an interesting film directed by uh stunt man, uh, slash I'm going to break the land speed record. Hal Needham. Uh, he famously wrote and directed Smokey and the Bandit. Um, and uh, yeah, so that covers like his directing career. Like he directs movies with cars. And he still had a career <laughs> after this movie, which was pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I would like to say that um, this movie represented a gratuitous use of spandex. <laughs> and uh, the horror of it was I couldn't stop looking at Barry Boswick's butt. Or what is, is there a male equivalent of camel toe? Because it was just so distracting through the whole thing. Um, but, you know, we're jumping ahead here, sort of. It's moose knuckle. To That's say no. it. Moose uh, knuckle. It yeah. should be familiar to all Canadians. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where spandex. It's on the citizenship test. Jeez. <laughs> Tim Horton and moose knuckle. Um, Duly noted. <laughs> we're all immigrants here. Uh, so yeah, we're, uh, it's been a while since we've done this, but, uh, I I threw out that, uh, whole idea of like doing a synopsis of the film because it's a waste of time, especially considering this film has no plot. Um, so so you can, you can jump in whenever you want, but yeah, I, I, I will say that when I watched this movie a second time, I was like, Hey, is that Henry Silva who's playing Guerrero, the bad guy? Did Hal Needham cast him because he couldn't afford his friend Burt Reynolds? And then they put him in the spandex and they were like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, my, my biggest contention, and there were a lot, was the big plot twist in the middle where they get betrayed. I watched it twice. And that part, I didn't get it. I, it was all of a sudden it's like, yeah, your hook, line, and sinker didn't work, and now you're in trouble. I'm, I'm thinking, well, why didn't it work? Oh, it, I, it made no sense. Um, and that, what was the English fella he from from Knight Rider? It was it's really sad to see him in that role. Yeah, <laughs> I have fond memories of Knight Rider. Well, that's what made me think about him too, Edmund, Edward Mulhair, something like that. Like, I, yes, I, I was just like, wow. 
I wonder what your career was like before you got stuck in all these sci-fi adventure things. <laughs> like, like he's yeah. like, maybe he's like the Leslie Nielsen we don't know about, where like Leslie Nielsen was like some sort of super amazing dramatic actor and then did like one comedy and people were like, yes, please. <laughs> I, 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 the real like a, a stodgy British person in a world where Britain doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Good point. Good point. I think that the problem was that everything was just completely contrived to move the explosions yeah. along to, to, to generate mm-hmm. the explosions yep. and make an excuse for explosions. And it was, <laughs> um, it was just really hard to stay. I actually, there was one big, the big shoot 'em up, the first big shoot 'em up scene where they're firing rockets out of their, the motorcycles. And first of all, I'm thinking, wouldn't those rockets burn the riders with the <laughs> propulsion and the way they're facing. Um, I fell asleep <laughs> in the first major action <laughs> sequence. I nodded <laughs> off. That's how engaging it was. And it was, it was, yeah, I, I have no words for that about how they, I mean, and it had a good cast sort of Michael Beck. Come on. This was coming off the heels of the warriors. And then I was like, why are you wearing a Confederate flag? <laughs> when everybody else has got a U.S. flag, oh, that movie went. That was yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he was given all of the politically incorrect, uh, or maybe by today's standards, and worst one-liners of the movie. So, <laughs> not a great use of his talent. He obviously blew all his money from the Warriors on coke and hose, and needed to pay the rent. <laughs> seriously disappointed, yeah, can- Michael Beck. If you're hearing this, I love you, but that was a seriously disappointing role. The, uh, the Confederate flags appearance was definitely a, a surprise slash disappointment to me. I wonder if like this cinematic universe, because it was supposed to be multiple movies, yep. if it, the first one would have done well, right? I'm kind of wondering if this is like a butterfly effect kind of thing, if the South had never lost the war. And that's why, like, I mean, because the U.S. flag is there, the Mexican flag is there, the Japanese flag is there. So it's, you know, it's just a thing. <laughs> Yeah, well, I was I kind of assumed that Megaforce itself was just after the South lost the war, they just kept the army together somewhere secret. And then that turned into Megaforce eventually. Oh, and it's like kind of like Wakanda, where like people are just like you you're like a racist jerk and you think like, oh, they're less than me because they're a different color. They're less than me because they're Southerners and they have all this fancy technology and spandex and like, yeah. <laughs> yes. The, the literal anti-Wakanda, actually, I think is what yeah. you're describing. <laughs> Anti-Wakanda. I mean, character development was certainly not a priority <laughs> in this movie. Um and I had so many questions that I wrote down on my notes as I was watching this thing. Like, why is the driver wearing headphones? Like, they were playing to every... You had a Walkman, and you're driving. And I like, know. They played to every stereotype. That Asian dude, interesting point, he was... I recognized him from the movie Caveman with Ringo Starr and Barbara Bach. And he was, like, the one guy in the Caveman movie that could speak modern-day English and would translate all the uggs and uhs into actual English. Is it like the weirdest thing, right? I'm like, how did you wind up in this movie? But then maybe Caveman isn't the greatest movie to spring off of. I don't know. It was unfortunate. <laughs> it turned into a great series of commercials for Geico. <laughs> it did. I, ha- I have to say that scene that you're talking about with yeah. the the first like sort of action scene where they're showing off their equipment. Um, 
in more ways than one, I suppose. Uh, thanks, Spandex. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, I was just, my only note I had for that scene because I thought it was supposed to be this really cool reveal, but like now we live in this world of CGI. And I was just like, why do they hate balloons? <laughs> it was just... watermelons or balloons. I couldn't tell, but either way, <laughs> those things are finished. But talk about the flimsiest setup. The op- the movie is opens and it's just this generic yelling at factory workers talking about the bourgeois. You have no idea who these people are, what their motivations are, but we're going to blow up your factory and we're supposed to, you know, hate them for being the bad guy. It was even for bad movies. It was it was bad. Well, so you mentioned the word uh, socialist a couple of times and then everyone starts rolling their eyes. So that's pretty much all the character development that you need. <laughs> that's why you to need be, to hate them because they're boring. Well, to be fair, in the 80s, we were still in the Cold War. I think any mention of socialism or communism would evoke a bigger reaction than even today. Right. In the especially in the U.S. Mm-hmm. But maybe that, you know, taking in the context of the time. But wow i'm like that's it that's supposed to make us hate and fear the evil villain who <laughs> steals the main character's lighter and has a laugh with them i don't, it was i yeah i guess if we're gonna talk about the bourgeoisie uh my uh my note from that scene is like um so is he reading poetry from his college notebook like it was one of those black and white notebooks that he was like reading from and i was like did you not memorize your lines and like this was just thrown in like <laughs> yeah which one of them is uh saw guerrera henry silva <laughs> that, you have to let me finish my speech <laughs> that's Sorry. right yeah 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 i wrote down that line word for word and it's sometimes like when i'm watching these films i have to pause because i'm like no i have to get this quote right or you know you can do the lazy <laughs> route and go to imdb and copy paste but i didn't have to like pause the movie to write this down because it's nonsensical dialogue yeah. what you said was really great paul like you should have wrote the movie because he said if i don't talk nobody understands i gotta talk right, <laughs> right. well and that's that's the thing that I think even like destroys their credibility as as villains is like the guy who orders everybody to fire is like and not, I don't even care about the doctrine piece of this socialism kind of whatever I'm here to blow stuff up which is what this movie is about so I'm going to move this along yeah I'm going to get us words. to the part where things blow up now uh we're two and a half minutes in so. <laughs> Yeah, let's start blowing shit up now. In, in <laughs> Jacob's alternate universe, uh, where the South is its own country, um, Michael Bay becomes uh, a mercenary for hire instead of a movie maker. I want to blow stuff up. And he's wearing a one-piece spandex unitard <laughs> to do it. Okay, I, I want to spend a little bit, a little bit of time, not an inordinate amount, but a little bit of time talking about the uh, how did I put it? The kids in the hall FX like skydiving scene because <laughs> that was so bad. That is beyond <laughs> words because I I was actually watching for a continuity gap in that as they're jumping out of the plane, they're not wearing any goggles. I thought, oh, they're going to show them with goggles and then they'll be like, oh, when do we put them? on? No, they're showing them because they did that invert scope or whatever technology mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. doing and they're not wearing any like it was it was really 
And the, the cuts between the scenes with the real skydiving and the effects were just so obvious. I can't even imagine, even for 1982, that that was acceptably decent. I mean, you look at look at Bambi. <laughs> you know, those effects were fantastic. I feel well, like if you don't have this, this you're not you're not setting up for Supergirl 1984. So you know, you gotta you gotta advance the state of the art somehow. Pretty cool. My only two notes from this section are: what are the tactical benefits to skydiving in formation? And <laughs> she looks like a falling turtle. Because she was on her back at one yes. point, and she was like, "Oh!" Blah, blah. <laughs> it literally looked like she was just laying on the bottom of the of the screen. I, I have in my notes in that scene. I I have uh, Supergirl's ballet was so much better than this romantic quote unquote skydive. Oh, it was just so unbelievably, and the whole her being this strong military woman. Going through all the tests and all the, and in the end, be saying like, very boss, she's like, can't let you do it. I know you passed every test, but it's going to ruin the morale of these 60 men behind me. And like, you could have told her that at the beginning before she, like, you already knew. Yeah. Why'd you do this? And then she kisses him. And oh, I was. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, her, her development in the movie is like. Wow, the definition of like the Bechdel test is like happening somewhere when this film is being like watched because like she is only there to make everyone else look better and it is terrible. It like, is really bad. And you know, she, uh, Persis Kambata, she actually was in Star Trek. Oh, yeah, Beecher. Yes, yes. Uh, I thought that even she had a lot less lines, but a much better role in that movie. That's for sure. That was, that blew me away. Yeah, her character developed in that movie. Right. <laughs> which featured, like, I don't know, three and a half hours of just the Enterprise flying through space, and she still had time for character development. And <laughs> that, that's a podcast for another day. True. So I, I, see how my notes here? I just got the words butt crack and an underline. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> pretty much. That's pretty much all I remember. There are several references to spandex here. Yeah. And none of them are good. (laughs) Are they ever? I have to say, like, uh, speaking of Star Trek, this movie is, like, very much like the techno babble of movies. It's like as soon as he introduces what Megaforce is, you know. He's it's it's very much like you're getting into Voltron or something. He's just like our dino mutts are connected down here or, you know, it's just <laughs> it's just so weird. What I, I love the the sudden display of all their technology at the very end when they're racing towards the Herc. We got lasers. There were never any lasers up until then. And right. what I like yeah. to call the pride smokescreen. Yeah. <laughs> like, is there any point in having a rainbow color of smoke. How are you guys able to see yourself, see anything as you're riding? And the, the tactical me, like obviously very tactical. Look how fit I am. Uh, I was just like the, the guys in the Herc are like, Hey, uh, we're kind of taking a beating here. And the guy in the TACCOM truck is like, Oh, let's help you out then. And then they start the smoke screen. And I was like, Oh, right. Like bullets and shells can't go through smoke. They're like, Oh, I don't know where to go now. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently bullets and shells become Jerry Seinfeld. Where are we going? I don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was, that was really strange. And the, and then the end when he, and I was like, no, it's not gonna. And he did one, 
two and the bike starts flying and then he's doing a 360 in the air. Oh, I actually laughed out loud a lot at that last piece. Yeah. And I literally said, no, he's not going to what? <laughs> and I live alone. So <laughs> do a barrel roll. Do a barrel. And, and he does. I had to work him in there. I, I don't know. There's a bit of heroic acting, really. And you could have photoshopped in a unicorn and it would have probably seemed much more realistic by the way he was flailing and smiling and laughing. <laughs> yeah. Or do you remember the one where he, he got airsick in the Herc? I'm like, you are like the top leader of Megaforce who's supposedly right. And you got airsick? I didn't I didn't think of that when he's flying the motorcycle. Yeah, no, no, this is, he was, he's a passenger in the Herc, right? No, oh, yeah, yeah, and then why don't you get sick when you're flying the motorcycle? Yeah. <laughs> it's always different when you're driving, right? Oh, that's true. Well, well played, well played, yeah. yeah fair enough. <laughs> um, I think, the, I think the best actors actually are the guys who are on the, who are yeah. on the airplane who are waiting for him to come back, and they're like, is he gonna make it? Is he gonna, yeah, come on! They, like, it's like they were actually they, seeing something they were excited about. They sold it. They really sold it. They did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was uncomfortable. I was going to say it was uncomfortable for me because their level was so high. And Barry Bostwick was like, I'm flying a motorcycle. Like, it's fun. I'm like, Fritz the cat. And those guys like that, that guy that everyone calls Beethoven, like he, <laughs> he like, he gave me feels like you said crying, like as soon as like he started flying the motorcycle and they cut to him and he didn't have his headphones on. He was like, he was biting his lip. And I was like, yeah, 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 big care. <laughs> so oddly, this was a Golden Harvest production. Raymond Chow, the famous Hong Kong director who made Bruce Lee famous in Hong Kong. Um, he certainly didn't do that for Barry Boswick. I'm going to say that was, I was a little, I mean, I've watched a lot of golden harvest movies in the eighties. We've watched a number of them, right? All the ninja series and such. Um, and you just kind of want to go back in time and ask these people. So like, what were you thinking? This is such an interesting industry. You know, someone actually looked at the raw footage of that and thought, mm, yeah, that'll fly. I mean, <laughs> quite literally. When I uh, when I saw the schedule and I chose this movie, one of the reasons why I did so is because I did my cursory look at Wikipedia for the actual film because I had never heard of this one uh, before I had watched it. And the production section of the Wikipedia page is one of the funniest things I have ever read. And that is what convinced me to watch this movie. And I will only read a couple of the phrases here. Uh, one of the quotes from Barry Boswick is, we use high technology weapons of the most advanced design. They're still on the drawing board, but they will be in use by the time the movie is out a year later. So you two kids will be able to strap rockets to your motorcycles and then shoot them at empty cardboard boxes. <laughs> and not burn yourself uh, with a propulsion. <laughs> exactly. You know what's good about this film? It's plausible, he said. Okay. <laughs> sure. Oh, Baza. There's there's Trumpian levels of uh, of quotes in the Wikipedia page. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, other than Rocky Horror Picture Show, what else did he wind up really being known for? Oh come on, he was in Spin City. Oh right, and probably, I mean, 
I would argue, just as, you know, a random guy who hosts a bad movie podcast, that FDR, American Badass, is his finest film. <laughs> that exists? <laughs> yes, it does. He has a wheelchair with, think about it for a second, rocket launchers. So it's like he took the entire back end of Nicolas Cage's career and made that the main part of his career. <laughs> Or Bruce Willis, for that matter. Uh, I love the idea of him and Nick Cage going after the same movie. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Work that, a little Travolta in there. You've got a face-off too, Stuin. Ooh. Now, what Although was there the, probably is a face-off too that went straight to DVD. But anyway. What was the car movie with Nicolas Cage? With the Drive? No, Stealing All the Cars. Like, Gone in 60 Gone Seconds. Gone in 60 Seconds. Uh, yeah, yep. where he like... He does that scene where he's like, listen, lowrider. Yeah, he's like, hold on a second. He puts lowrider on. He has like shake his head. Like I can just see Barry Boswick doing that so much better. <laughs> yeah, yep. but to something like time warp. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then thumb kiss. Perfect. Oh yeah, thumb, thumb kiss. kiss. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Because <laughs> they've got a. You know, there was a surprising lack of real animosity between both sides, like the good guys and the bad guys. It was kind of, they were kind of like, hey, this is like a friendly American gladiators competition. Ha ha ha, we're just going to shoot rockets and lasers at you, but nobody's going to die. And we'll all be friends at the end because, hey, in the end, you can have my lighter. Like, (laughs) what? Yeah, right. It was bizarre. Like, I didn't understand why I was supposed to care about this movie. Like the entire setup for any of the adversarial action is just reading a like a communist diatribe in front of a bunch of people who clearly had better things to do. And that's like the only antagonistic action in this entire movie. That's the only reason you should hate them. That eventually leads to the line, the good guys always win, even in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you're the good guys, sure, but... Yeah. Okay, I gotta look it's, up what the what the what the box office did on this one. I don't know if you have it on. Hand. Oh, it was like uh, it was made for eighteen to twenty million, and it made about five million in box office. Yeah, yeah, that adds up. Yeah, yeah. So if he does four of them, he'll break even. Uh, <laughs> there's a reason that Hal Needham probably stayed in Burt Reynolds' guest house for twelve years. Uh, <laughs> That's an actual fact I picked up while researching this. Jeez, um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I do. I I will go back to the beginning and say, you know, before we get the uh, the nonsensical scene of them driving to the desert and then like looking for anyone, there's no one around, mm-hmm. and then suddenly like Dallas is there, and then they get into another vehicle to drive further. I was like, what? Why did you stop there? <laughs> Apparently you have amazing hologram technology. You could have hid the entrance. Holograph. Yeah. Holograph. Holograph. Sorry. I didn't understand that when they first when they brought it up at first, because they're you know, remember they drove him out to the desert to meet with Megaforce? And then Michael Beck just like demonstrates this cool holograph technology on the beach and it made no and then it reappears again for yeah. no good reason. And mm-hmm. it feels like I had, what was the name? Because I was trying to tell somebody the name of that. Remember, we a few years ago on our our bad batch of movies. It was that architect that was had money and made movies where he starred in them. Yeah, Neil Breen. Uh-huh. Or, yeah, <laughs> it had that kind of feel to it. 
You know, like everything is just done for the moment with no rhyme or reason. Right. So, yeah. So, but in the beginning, there is this like huge, like a team disclaimer, not done as well as the A team. <laughs> like it is so long. It's like a paragraph on the screen and it's like so serious. And <laughs> and the theme song was actually quite reminiscent of the A team theme oh, song. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, one of the first things I noted mm-hmm. was I was like, like A team? And then I wrote Mannheim Steamroller on Acid. <laughs> because every measure was completely different from the last and nothing brought it together. <laughs> <laughs> that is very, very apt. My notes just consisted of like words <laughs> like skinny and androgynous. Thumb kiss, question mark, exclamation mark, question mark. Uh, oh, this was a good one. Mike Beck, king of off-color jokes and bad lines. And, yeah. <laughs> Just, and some, and I can't even read some of the shit that I wrote because I think I was laughing too hard <laughs> in disbelief at what I was watching. I have eight minutes in and I got less than a page of a dialogue. So tell me again how Stuntman directed this film. yeah i can't imagine the script itself with all the dialogue in it is longer than 20 pages 30 pages i it can't be much longer than that because okay deeds deeds not words yeah yeah yeah. that's right this movie was about deeds not words Uh, okay so so that's on their patches and that's on the movie poster did anyone say that in the film? No, I mean, no. I was like, See, there, there's actually no really quotable lines, and that's another hallmark of a bad, like a movie that's so bad that it's bad. There's no quotable cheesy lines. I mean, there's the thumb kiss, but you can't really put that into a line, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, thumb kiss. Like, no, you got to do it to get the effect. And yeah, it, you do that to a friend at a bar, he's not going to know what you're doing. He's just going to think you're a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, and drunk. Because you'd have you to get a sliver something. Yeah, COVID kiss. Uh, like, don't don't suck on your <laughs> yeah, thumb. Where's it right. been? I don't know. Oh yeah, it's just about to say. Good good reminder about COVID. I, I was just about to say, like, if any of you guys ever thumb kiss me in public, I totally thumb kiss you back. It's cool. Ooh, um, <laughs> we could right. we could make that a thing. Yeah, we can we can make it a thing. I don't think a bit more stylish than the, uh, the than the elbow bumps, right? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> kiss. I think that'll catch on like Paris Hilton's "hot." That's hot phrase. <laughs> Anyone remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it wasn't. So, so the the beginning where they are dropped off in the in the desert. I I, I have in my notes. This movie has cured me of my fear of snakes. It takes this snake pages <laughs> of predictable dialogue to get its prey. Uh, and you like, couldn't even tell where it was in relation to oh, the characters. Yeah. <laughs> like, is that snake three boulders away? Yeah, uh, right. I, I think that's kind of a the, pinkish rock. He's sitting on kind of a pinkish rock. Is that the same rock? No, it's not the same rock. Uh, here, here's the, 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 the here's the best part. Michael Beck and the dude and the driver managed to pull up in a four by four, get out, shoot this rattlesnake. And the two main characters don't even see them until that happens. Like surprise, we're in super stealth four by four mode. That (laughs) that was, 
Well, I mean, that's uh, one of the reasons why it's so hard to podcast here in Alberta. If we lived in a desert, it would just absorb all the sound and you wouldn't be leaking into my mic. Oh, and for the record, I don't leak into anybody's mic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. Just uh, the actor who plays Dallas. (laughs) That's just just out of courtesy. Come on. Out of courtesy. Um, Yeah. Like, I think that's what one of the problems with this film, and and I think some older films or newer directors have that problem, is there's no establishing shot to be like, here's the snake and the people in the same scene. And you're like, oh, that's close. And that same thing happens at the end with the flying motorcycle. And that's why it was so off-putting, because those guys on the plane were just like putting in the Oscar performance. And then he's on the motorcycle going, guys, are we really doing this? We're not going to use this cut, are we? (laughs) Just the oh, they also couldn't. Uh, they couldn't afford the foley sound of the snake rattle, so they just had him say a line to excuse the fact that it wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> they don't what? play fair. He's supposed to rattle. <laughs> he probably was, but you were driving the big ass four by four with no muffler on it. So, or uh, maybe yeah. their their silencing tech kind of spread into a, a zone. That silence the snake. Oh, we're going too far with this already. This is I'm sorry. Right. I, I technology like... of the most advanced design. Right. <laughs> As they claimed. Of the most advanced design. design. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, and then what was with that scene with the t- with with uh with Boswick and the and the woman? Uh, I can't even remember the character's name, that's how bad it was. Uh but like Zara. against against the purple background. Is this the silhouette oh, scene? I was like, that had served no purpose. That was when he was telling him, I can't, I can't let you do this because it'll destroy the morale of these 60 men. They were going, and it was funny because after that, I started counting um, when they were in the dead. I'm like, none, two, is order of magnitude. Is that even close? And I, I just stopped caring. <laughs> oh, trying well, to they definitely airdropped more than enough equipment for 60 men. I mean, you could just tell with how long it took to actually get everything to the ground <laughs> yeah it, it had that 80s hallmark of like Battlestar Galactica the TV show where they only have the one footage of like a fighter pilot shooting a bad guy so they just play it over and over in every episode well, the Viper hitting the Cylon yeah, and then yeah. flying right through the explosion I loved yeah. that when I was a kid <laughs> that, that was like oh there's more cars parachuting oh there's more cars I think that's the same Oh yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. did that for a lot of. Uh, before there was CGI, there was the reuse of the same shot <laughs> over and over again. But like, you're supposed yeah. to put something in between it, and it just felt like he was just like it was like it was like the hip hop scratching version of it's just like oh rewind play rewind play. Uh, yeah, it took the yeah. Fast and the Furious franchise like four movies to get to. Now we're going to start dropping cars out of planes. So these guys are moving fast. Way ahead of their time, they were just fast. Not worse. There was no furious there, just fast. So that just, that, just fast. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell because there's lightning bolts literally on everything. Most advanced technology of their time, didn't they? <laughs> they had a, a. They actually had a military consultant. Yeah. Uh, to help hmm. them design those things, and I, it was something like at first they were asking the military for support or something. Yeah. And they said no, but then after the military saw them, they were like, we want those. I was like, what? 
<laughs> what kind of army did the military uh, that the U.S. have in '82? Uh, oh, right, it was the Cold War. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so I did a deep dive on that because Ooh. cars are fun. Um, yeah, the motorcycles, uh, the FX guys who rigged them all up to uh, make the rockets and the guns and, and everything. Um, they said, you know, we've really worked hard in this movie. Um, where's the money? We want to get paid before the movie's done shooting. Um, and the movie, the producers, as is Hollywood, is apt to do, were like, oh, the film is bankrupt. Sorry. So the FX guys promptly removed all the gear from the motorcycles. And then um, they just like threw the motorcycles and those fiberglass panels. Uh, into the sand and walked away. And I guess it was described as a spectacle to behold. Oh. Those guys <laughs> rode off into the sunset angry. It's like that contractor I just read about that uh, so that uh, hammered and destroyed the bathroom he did because the client would, couldn't pay, wouldn't pay for it. It's like, oh, wow. yeah? I'll show you. And so the, uh, the bikes, that happened to them. Um, <laughs> the cars... I guess, like, they had 10 of them built, and only, like, two survived filming. <laughs> uh, so. I, I can't imagine how long that movie ran for in the theaters. I do distinctly remember, as a kid, seeing the movie poster and thinking it was so cool. Because, you know, when you're nine, <laughs> you see that sort of thing. And I do remember the deeds, not words, right? But I remember, I think my parents wouldn't let me go see it in the theater because it was rated whatever it was and i don't think it lasted very long because it just never you know it never hit my radar again until 2021 <laughs> <laughs> yep 29 the rest is history. 39 39 year i don't even want to say it sorry <laughs> 39 <laughs> years what creeped me out was uh i texted it to arden i said hey you want to watch mega force with us and he texted back deeds not words i'm in <laughs> and then i i felt like okay i watched this movie like three or four years ago when i was watching bad movies to, maybe we should have this one on the podcast um yeah i know it's a it's a it's a surprise to paul like wait you've watched these movies before you suggest them because these are horrible but uh <laughs> but you're watching these again <laughs> yeah but i didn't remember deeds not words at all when arden texted me that back and then i watched the film and i was like but nobody says this nobody says how did arden know that the movie poster wow. yep yep i even remembered it was barry boswick i just had this really weird memory for obscure pop culture things i don't know what it is um you know not very good with math or social studies, but you give me like obscure '80s pop quiz trivia. I'm I, sh- I should be on your team, right? He doesn't know what a no. moose knuckle is, but he knows who Barry Bostwick is, who has a moose knuckle. But uh. oh, it was so distracting. I oh, I felt I felt violated, like my eyeballs were violated watching that because there's one scene near the end where like. They do it like you know, he's standing out by, by the Herc and they, they do a shot from him behind as somebody else is riding off. And you can see like he's got a wedgie. Like, seriously, the spandex is yep. shoved right up his butt. And I just couldn't stop. It felt 
it felt odd. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say about that. I am secure. Odd learned something about himself that day. <laughs> <laughs> it brought back some disturbing feelings for me. <laughs> I don't know a whole lot about movies, but. If I've learned anything about movies from watching movies, it's that you can do multiple takes of a thing. You know, if there's a small imperfection here or there, somebody notices it and somebody tells you about it, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody could have just, you know, gently gone up to the star of the movie and said, hey, you know, you know maybe look over your shoulder or something. Maybe and let's pull try that again. spandex out of your ass. <laughs> remember, this was back in the day when they used film and it was expensive. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, di- now with digital, you can take <laughs> as many as you want. But back and then. All the motorcycles are torn apart in the desert out there. They got to yeah. wrap this thing. They got to wrap this thing up. There's no budget left for nothing. So That's true. They probably used up all the retakes for all the times he said, the bad guys always win. No, wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even <laughs> in the amazing. Even in the 70s. No, it's the 80s now. <laughs> I just love to see the outtakes or the bloopers from that movie. Or was or was that part of the movie? Yeah, I think so. The movie is the outtakes. Yes. There's 75 reels of skydiving footage and cars being dropped from plane footage. I just wanted one of the bad guys. They've only got two reels left to actually do the dialogue. (laughs) I just wanted one of the bad guys to like come up to Michael Beck and be like, Megaforce, come out to play. That would have been beautiful. That's a Warriors reference. Yeah, sorry. I don't know if anybody didn't get that. Um, actually, I think <laughs> I'm going to have to go watch the Warriors to cleanse my brain and put Michael Beck back on the pedestal that I had him on. Careful. You can never, you know, never meet your heroes. That's all I got to say. <laughs> but I've met you, Chris. And Megaforce, what a way to meet your heroes. <laughs> uh, why are you dressed like a solid gold dancer? Um... <laughs> I have that in my notes, and then in my notes I have, like, uh, you know, they're all dressed like solid gold dancers, and then when there's the scene where they're in the base and Barry Bostwick goes to to pick Zara up in her fancy mirror plastic room, uh, I was like, so he changed from a solid gold dancer to Buck Rogers? Buck Rogers! (laughs) That was so reminiscent of Buck Rogers. That was hilarious. Oh, the stop. I mean, they were just coming out of the 70s, right? And so there was the 70s hangover uh, in terms of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, culture and, and fashion and such. So a lot different from the late 80s, I would say. So in theory, there's a plot in which um, Megaforce is trying to, I guess, stop Guerrera and his forces somehow nope. somewhere nope that's no that's not even close to what it's nope. supposed to be no so this is operation hook line and sinker right <laughs> mm-hmm. line and sinker so so uh devin yeah, i need a whole, I, I need a rundown of yeah. what like transpired in the room with the table and the hologram which is yeah. quote-unquote the best the, and the, the cartoon best pig holograph the best one yet what was with yeah. that pig Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, no, I don't no. feel like he saw the earlier holograph of the lady <laughs> on the beach. Just objectively, way more polygons. <laughs> way more. Objectively. Way more. I'm yeah. glad you went there. Yeah. So. Uh, no. So, 
So what has happened is Edward Mulher, I always want to get his name wrong. I'm just going to call him Devin from Knight Rider because that's how disrespectful I am. Uh, he <laughs> he is from some nondescript country, uh, uh, him and Zara. Well, it's a uh-huh. descript country. The names of the countries in this movie. Wow. Uh, and he wants to go after Guerrera, but... Mm-hmm. Guerrero won't cross the border, and his country won't let him cross the border to attack Guerrero. Okay. So, Megaforce, then, the hook line is them, like, going across the border, making that Guerrero real mad, and then having Guerrero chase him across the border. Back and the so, other way, so... Okay. Yeah, and what what uh, Arden was saying earlier about being confused, like, I don't understand why the plan didn't work was because Guerrera refused to cross the border. And then um, the... Uh, they committed an act of war? So so basically the country, um, I'm assuming Devin and Zara's country, was like accused of sending Megaforce to there mm-hmm. to antagonize him, which is an act of war. So they were like, oh, you, you shouldn't have done that. Like, that's an act of war. So they were like disavowing Megaforce. And that's why Megaforce was like, oh, so now we're like, that's why Guerrero's like, you're screwed, buddy. And he's like, we know there's only one way out of here. And he's like, the dry lake bed. And I was like, I don't understand until I remembered there were planes involved. But- so I guess if I, if I watched the movie five times, I might have picked up on that. Oh, I... I was so confused, and then, like, I think towards the end of the movie, like, I started to get it. I was like, oh, so you... But the, it's so flimsy, like, the act of war. Like, yeah. it's like, well, no, they're kind of right. Like, you sent Megaforce in there to antagonize him, so they're they're right on the money with that. Like, mm-hmm. so now you're going gonna- more frequently than why do I care about this is this is the longest and stupidest plan ever. Yes. <laughs> it didn't make any sense. And back to the scene where they're actually like planning everything in the secret bunker. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't make any sense why they had a guy who looks like if Kenny Rogers fronted ABBA and they give him 10 million square feet <laughs> of like underground secret bunker and he's American, but they're not. And so that gives them the, the license to go into whatever country and do whatever they want. Um, to bad people who aren't bad, or we don't really know why they're bad, like because they blow uh, there's, there's a point where the character development becomes a fatal flaw. I think. Well, I mean, I'm never been. I mean, I like songs, I like music, but I'm not a fan of poetry, and so to me, they were bad guys. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they, I mean, uh, yeah, Megaforce. Megaforce has the 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 greatest technology and most terrifying weapons of their age. Ethics, not big on. No, just yeah. not really. You know, who needs ethics? It's 1982. Yeah. You guys will give us money. I mean, inexplicably, countries around the world are just giving them advanced prototypes of their weapons and their best soldiers. And they're, yeah, and their best. <laughs> and unclear why, just not not really explained. I guess so that there can be like one unified military force that could take care of threats like it sounded like it was intended to be like threats external to the planet like if we get attacked by aliens we got mega force they're <laughs> gonna take it take care of it but 
then they just use them for these like weird international skirmishes instead. Um, you would be referring to uh, Supreme Command United Freedom Force or SCUF. Okay. <laughs> I have to go back and read Reagan, that. Uh, what if Ronald Reagan invented Interpol? Yeah. Or attempted to. This would be the kind of thing that he right. would do. With SCUF Wars. Yeah. Wow. I'm just glad that none of us actually ever had to see this in the theater. I would have felt so. I probably would have walked out. Um, you know, the only reason I didn't walk out was because I was on my couch. <laughs> I mean, if, I, if I saw it in the theater when I was 10, I would have probably been like, this is great. Explosions. It's fine. Like, but I would have been I, frustrated. I don't, because, I don't know that I really cared that much. I would have been like, waiting. It, I would have been waiting for boobies and they never showed. That's, that's, that's what, because they always kind of had that tension there. And you always figured at some point we're going to see boobs. I mean, this is the 1980s, right? And a 10-year-old me would have been incredibly upset and disappointed and let down that boobies didn't happen <laughs> in Megaforce. No, the best thing you get is a woman who tries to fight with the rest of the men, and then she gets told very politely but firmly behind a weird kind of tactical silhouette screen that she can't do it, and then she goes away for the rest of the film, and you never hear from her again. That's not true. <laughs> She's like... I, I, I disagree. My my interpretation was she was told, like, no, you, you can't. And she was like, oh, you're right. I'm a girl. Well, let's kiss. Like, it was like Real a kiss, not thumb kiss. In the beginning of the movie, she's like, I'm going with you. You forget that right. I'm a major. Her demeanor yeah. completely changed through the movie. Right. It's like somebody yeah. beat her over the head and said, change your attitude. Uh, it was it was very bizarre because it was a completely different character in the second part of the movie. Yeah, it was yeah. those Barry Bostwick crowns, those white crowns. That's what changed her. Yeah. The big smile. Maybe they had a little smile <laughs> going on. Uh, that's horrible. We shouldn't. That's not the right. You know, if this was 1982, that would have been an appropriate comment to make. But yeah, but no, her. Yeah, you're right. Her character didn't develop it actually regressed um <laughs> from a societal perspective like yes. she was empowered she walked in empowered she was ready to go she was going to take on the army and at the end she was like oh you're right you guys all train together yeah i can't <laughs> join you y'all train together yeah i get it she went through the trial by fire in the helicopter to show everybody what she was made of. They right. have holographs. They have futuristic motorcycles the driving. Um, but the most shocking thing of all is that a woman is capable of flying a helicopter and that's just too much. Yeah. That cannot be the entire plot of the movie. That's right. Remember right. That? Cause she was like, may I? And they're like, sure. They're all surprised. <laughs> like, and again, you know, again, thinking back to the day and age, right. Um, I mean, truthfully, women were just entering the workforce in the eighties. Right, really starting to get there. So, you know, her role probably mm -hmm. back then was a major accomplishment to have this. But maybe it was—it felt like halfway through they're like, "Oh, well, you think we overdid it a little bit? Let's pull back on the strong, independent woman thing." Yeah. Yeah. It really felt like that, you know, like they're—they were on the cusp yeah. of being progressive, and then it was like, "Ooh, maybe our audiences won't like that." It feels like if they hadn't run out of money, they would have uh, had that. <laughs> Are you all right? Sorry. Bad timing on that. If you if they hadn't run out of money, that they would have shot that like uh, uh, scene in London, and he would show up to the bar, and she right? would, she wouldn't be there, and the phone would ring, and the guy would be like, "Are you Ace?" And she, he'd be like, "Yeah," and he'd give her the give him the phone, and then 
he would answer the phone. They would do like a cool split screen and she would be like in a dress, like baking with an apron on and being like, I decided we wouldn't go, shouldn't go out to a bar. And I stayed home in the kitchen and made us dinner. Come on over. It was terrible. Yeah. Some kiss over the phone. I feel like they could have redeemed it if, okay, he's, he's in the desert. He's been knocked off of his motorcycle and, uh, you know, he hasn't yet gotten back, uh, back to it to fly, do a barrel roll and get his way back. And instead she flies in on the motorcycle and rescues him. And then, and like, she's been told she can't be a part of this, but, she was on the sidelines the whole time, keeping an eye, making sure everything's going to be okay. And she comes in and swoops in and saves the day. Like, I was waiting for that. Like, I was surprised that that didn't happen. It's just, yeah. it died out in the middle. Yeah. Like when they left to go to the war zone and everybody's climbing into the plane, like she's a seasoned general who's very talented in her own country, apparently, according to the limited stuff that we actually know about her character. <laughs> and she's just reduced to waving bye-bye to the plane, like an idiot, you know, and that's it. You know, she has no more like real input. Have fun storming the castle. Have fun yeah. storming the Do castle. Do you think they'll make it? <laughs> like a miracle. It'll uh, take a miracle. So, so uh, yeah, what you're, what you were just saying, it's it's interesting to me because I wanted that scene too. Like I thought she would come in and rescue him at the end, and now the rest of our film frown season is canceled. If you signed up for any other movies, because I'm going to open up After Effects and make that happen. The effects are so bad, I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> I could probably do it with Adobe. Yeah, that's true. You could do a TikTok. Uh, so if we were to recast some of the main characters today, mm-hmm. right? Today. Like, so we're making Megaforce 2021. Megaforce 20. Megaforce colon 2021. <laughs> 2021. Okay. I mean, what so, movie stars are even out there that I can think of? No, 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 no. You, you. I mean, I don't watch the movies because I'm a jerk and I think the first couple ones were bad. but. Uh, if you have motorcycles and you have like, uh, you know, charismatic man, certainly you have to have Maverick. It's got to be t- Tom Cruise, Middle Tooth Man. He's he's uh, he's Ace Hunter. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just think of the first scene that you get introduced to Ace Hunter. He buzzes the tower. He jumps over their truck as they're standing there. This is true. (laughs) But Barry Boswick was a lot younger uh, then. Um, Actually, you know, I would have Henry Cavill play. (laughs) He'd play Ace. He'd be a good Dallas. Right. Seeing a British guy play Dallas. My first uh, instinct is to say somebody like either Paul Rudd or Jason Sudeikis, but ooh. then I realize it has to actually be somebody who is serious, but then it ends up being funny and not the other way around. So I honestly don't know. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth, probably. Chris. He, do, he can do that. He can do that like serious, but you almost can't take him serious in a, in a, in that way. Um Wow. That that would be that would be Ace, I would think. Who would be Dallas? No, Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves as Ace. That Keanu would... Reeves as Ace. Actually, no, I could see him as Dallas. Because yeah. he's got that if he did the kind of in the Bill and Ted kind of style, right. I could see Keanu Reeves doing doing uh, doing Dallas, you know. Dallas. Yeah. Um 
that could be interesting. <laughs> this, this movie is an enigma wrapped within a conundrum. <laughs> it is, quote unquote, combat al fresco. Um, <laughs> I don't what? know where that what? line. Like, I still don't understand, like, Guerrera's, like, colonel. Like, is he the actual leader of the army? And Guerrero is, like, or Guerrera is, like, a mercenary? He's or? a consultant. He's a consultant. He's a consultant. I, I never understood their relationship, as yes, Jacob says. He's like, the consulting villain. No development there of, like, why they're the bad guys. Well, and then the, the that general or whatever winds up sitting in the sidecar of the motorcycle for pretty much the entire last half of the movie until everything gets blown up and then he drives up. It's like, it, and I'm perplexed. And there's the, there's the scene where they're playing chess, too, and I feel like... Oh, all, right. All we're doing as the audience is, like, bonding with these guys. Like, there's no... Again, there's nothing that's showing that they're really bad in any way except that they're socialists perhaps that was their attempt at character development you know um showing yeah is the nature of his cheating that makes him bad because he cheats at chess right yeah oh okay yeah and poorly apparently because another fact that i'd read was that that move he made actually only put the other fella in check not checkmate oh yeah so he's not only is he cheater he's a poor cheater (laughs) i think it's from that scene i don't know like you're saying the notes are kind of a blur like the dialogue uh (laughs) i think it's from that scene where they're like uh talking to each other and um i think like the colonel guy before he goes up and gets the wine or something says something and guerrero doesn't like him like it and he's like that's totally inapplicable and I was like, who says that? Who says that's totally inapplicable? Like the way it was delivered, something I made it right made me write it down in my notes. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. That's inapplicable. There was a point where uh, Barry Boswick uh and Beethoven, I think. I can't, I don't remember his actual character's name, were in a plane and Beethoven was saying one time, blah 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 blah. Somebody very important to me yes. said this, this, this. And then he said very said very dumb and inapplicable to anything. That's and he's like, right. But you, then you said it. And he's like, but very wise. And then they instantly cut away so that you don't even have a chance to, yeah. <laughs> Just... to laugh at that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah. I, so I have in my notes, um, everyone feels about the pig holograph as the audience feels about the dialogue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's accurate. That's accurate. And I also love how, like, when they did go through the hologram graph on the table with the big plan that they were like, we're going to, you know, land here at 420. We're going to storm there. We'll be there by 422. We're going (laughs) to blow everything up and be back here by 426. And he's like, four minutes. He's like, oh, yeah, we can do it. And then um, they all, like, clap their hands and say, yeah, let's do it. And then he's like, we'll leave sometime tomorrow, uh, you know. I was like, you just plan things down to the minute, and then you're like, well, we leave sometime tomorrow, depending on the weather. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Uh, the entire plan took about three times as long as the entire mission would have. Oh, yes. Good call. Uh-huh. It took so long, I fell asleep halfway through. 
Hey, we all fell asleep at some point in this movie, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> or lost lost focus. It was it was hard. Tina counted twice for me falling asleep. Wow. She let me she let me know that I was snoring at, at a couple at a couple points. I honestly, you guys haven't described anything that I actually missed. So <laughs> whatever, whatever point it. I fell asleep at. It didn't uh, matter. It was probably an action scene. I'm gonna Yes, <laughs> that's uh, the things we do for this podcast, right? I mean, I hope <laughs> I hope our audience, uh, e, your mom, uh, appreciates <laughs> this. You know, <laughs> uh, so during their little four minute attack, I noted mm-hmm. that there was some amazing technology, advanced technology. How does that go? The most again, advanced. Technology? Available High technology weapons of the most advanced design of the yes. most advanced design. One of the amazing things I noticed was a fifth wheel dropping down so that the dune buggy could make a tighter turn at six miles per hour. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like it comes down from the middle of the dune buggy because it's all in silhouette, and then the dune buggy like swivels around really quick. And I was like, Cool, that's no cool. one ever mentioned that. Like. I saw that, and I'm proud of myself, I guess. I'm bored. <laughs> there's, a, there's a guy in a unicycle inside that's along <laughs> uh, The parallel parking capabilities on that must be amazing. Right? Yeah. Or you could just use... Oh, yeah. That's the other thing. The lasers. So... Mm-hmm. Pew, pew. Mm-hmm. pew, pew. So... In the Wikipedia page that Jacob was quoting earlier, Hal Needham says something like, oh, I really wanted to make, like, a hero movie that's really upbeat. And maybe, like, you know, actually, no one dies in our movie. And I'm like, there's three guys with a bazooka who get really close to the TACCOM truck. And the guy's right. like, oh, I've got some company. And those three guys are gone. They're evaporated. Yeah, like vaporized or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was it. Those three guys were the only casualties of the movie. Them and the audience. Yeah. Us. <laughs> and the snake in the beginning, and then one guy who fell off of his motorcycle and ah, then got relentlessly yes. trolled about it. Yes, yes. Very, very poor snake. Careful. Like, in honest, we don't know if the snake was a holograph or not. Because even Barry Boswick <laughs> says, hey, is that... Uh, was it a holograph snake? He's like, oh, no, it was a real one. But, you know, you can't trust these guys. Their banter nudge, is nudge, so wink, tight. Wink, say no more, say no more. <laughs> <laughs> is that a snake? Is that a real snake? Is it a holograph? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Couldn't resist. They don't have snakes like that in jolly old Gamibia. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> is so, that the Gamibia? And, uh... You know, it's the why can't I say it? Because it's like I can only listen to Jacob say it. What's the technology again? High technology weapons of the most advanced design. Yeah, fueled by dryer <laughs> hoses. And you know, I, Jake, your voice just says that so beautifully. We should record that and just play that over and over again as a as a as our horn or a prompt. <laughs> yeah. Really. I'm going to put it on the soundboard. Yeah. It's so gonna, we could just play it in other episodes. It's going to be my ringtone. <laughs> ringtone. I'm just looking, trying to find some like good sound clips, but there are, there's none. Nope, there's sound in the movie. 
There's very little good in it, too. Yeah. <laughs> I I know, like, it's a bad movie, and it's tough to watch things by yourself. It's more fun in a group. But I think this movie, for me, made a turn when um, he got to that, like, he stole my lighter line. I was like, oh, this movie's not serious at all. <laughs> yeah. That's... This is one of those ones where I think, um, and we've seen a couple of these on the show before, where is it, a mo- is it a movie that's trying to take itself seriously, or is it a movie that's trying to be comedy and farce, farcical? And um, this, is an, this is another one where I'm not sure if they totally crossed the line far enough. I do feel like they were trying to be farcical, but I also feel like there's, moments in it where they're where the movie is taking itself too seriously yes um and so it's not quite it's just not quite getting there um and that that's the piece that i think would help it turn the corner for me although i do think um i like that they kept in the uh holograph uh pig scene um (laughs) purely because i I think that's the moment where the film is the most self-aware um, <laughs> that they all, they all just watched this. And then they all looked at each other. Like, what are, what did we get out of that? <laughs> what exactly was that about? Yeah. Okay. We're just going to move on. <laughs> you know, the, the cool thing though, about seeing that pig though, was it kind of, it, it was a reminder or reminiscent of, of the animation of that era. Uh, remember movies like Rock and Roll, um, or even Heavy Metal, um, and like there was a, that was a cool. There was a very cool age of animation in movies, you know, and that with that style, uh, because it was the more adult style, uh, cartooning, right? Fritz the Cat, uh, stuff like that. So I, I thought it was kind of interesting to remember that. Oh yeah, that's what the animation style looked like back then. But mm-hmm. they just put in like three seconds of a pig laughing, and that was it. I thought they could have. Well, maybe they could have done so much more with that. Like, do the entire rest of the movie anime in animation. I don't know. <laughs> it does give me the sense that Dallas is the character that actually has the most backstory. Yeah, um, I was just thinking that. Yeah. And you could you if there was a if there was like a Megaforce prequel that would be just about Dallas and how Dallas joined Megaforce, I think that would, that could be a fun and interesting and incredibly misogynistic movie. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that's what, where you're going. Like, that's where I'm thinking, like, he's a very deep character because he's the one that introduces us to the idea of the holograph by using, I think her name was Carrie at the beach. And then he turns around and he says, you guys haven't seen the best hologram yet, or graph, and he shows the pig. There's a lot going on with this guy. I I have a feeling the story goes something like he was one of the few non-racist, you know, Confederates. Um, I don't know. Sorry. I, I, I don't know. But there's a, there's a story behind that, you know, the, the flag. And yep. the, yeah, he's such a nice guy. And he's riding shotgun with that black dude and getting along just fine without calling him any sort of derogatory names. So there's got to be some story about that. This is kind of like a Snake Eyes origin story in the way. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he's actually just a big Dukes of Hazzard fan, and that's what the flag's about. Oh, yeah. Maybe he's bold. Maybe he's a Duke. Oh, yeah. I could see that. 
He's, he's like, uh, yeah, he's a cousin. There's Coy and Vance who took over during the writer's strike. And then there's, you know, Dallas. Dallas who went to Gambia, Mibia yeah. to fight with Megaforce. <laughs> this is the GCU. Oh, yeah. Damn Megaforce boys is at it again. <laughs> Just a Megaforce. <laughs> Never remaining no harm. No, so <laughs> I like the idea that eventually, like, a lot of the vehicles get destroyed and they're in a real pinch. And then Dallas is like, I know someone who can help. And then they airdrop the General Lee. <laughs> Honestly, that would not have surprised me. No, yeah. yeah, of course, there has to be a scene where Barry Bostwick slides across the hood of a car. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to. If I was like teaching at a film school, I would pose a challenge to my students to remake Megaforce on an iPhone. And I bet you they could do a better job now than they did back then. <laughs> I, I feel like I need to go back and rewatch Ready Player One just to see how many Megaforce references are in it. Because I, I have to imagine there's a bunch of Megaforce references in Ready Player One that most yeah. people just wouldn't see. Yeah. Well, truthfully, um, this movie. Uh, as bad as it is, blah, 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 as bad as it it is, um, is actually the uh, uh, inspiration for uh, Team America, the movie by Mark and something Trey good and, came out of yeah. it. <laughs> Matt and Trey, yeah. Uh. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I wanted to say that uh, Hal Needham, I read somewhere that when he began directing uh, his films, this is going to be a shocker to all of us who watch this film, but his films were usually blasted by critics. Um, And they did well at the box office anyway. So he himself, Hal Needham, took out an ad in the trade papers quoting a bunch of negative reviews, but it had a photo of a wheelbarrow filled with money to sum up his career. (laughs) Sure, my movies are bad. Look at all this money I got. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, you made five million on a movie that cost 20. (laughs) Well, uh, uh, Bert loaned me the wheelbarrow and the cash. Uh, (laughs) At the bottom it said dollars, not words. (laughs) Yeah. Oh God! Um, he also was a uh, stuntman on a John Wayne film uh, that was directed by a uh, film frown alumni, Otto Preminger, who did the uh, Skidoo film. And he is <laughs> Hal Needham is quoted as saying, uh, "Preminger treated the cast like they were dirt, except for John Wayne. The crew hated him." And I was like, I feel like when we did the Skidoo episode, there was a lot of stuff about how weird Preminger was. So I was like, that fits. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about talking about technology. Let's talk about intro vision. What in God's (laughs) green earth is intro vision? Yeah, he's prompted by my screen because I wrote notes. Because I, I, but it was, I was prompted because I was curious. I never did look into what exactly intro vision was. So the funny thing is, is uh, I have some sort of uh, pandemic dyslexia where I read Nitro Vision and I couldn't find anything on Nitro Vision, which sounds a hell of a lot cooler. Uh, <laughs> Ice popping out of your head. Yeah. 
No, 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 that's too violent for this movie. Too violent. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, And then I read a review and it was like, oh, Introvision. That's why I couldn't find anything. Um, Introvision was used all the way up until the 90s. Like, it's used in Army of Darkness and Driving Miss Daisy, UHF, another film that we watched here, Adventures Uh in Babysitting. And it is, um, instead of... uh, it's so I could not understand it. I almost like messaged Paul and said, "What is this?" Uh, <laughs> but it's it's a foreground projection instead of background. So before they used to project things with the projector in the background, like you know old movies where they're driving in a car. There's like a screen right, behind right, them. Right, right, right. So they do it in the riding fo- Miss Daisy. They do it, example. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they do it in the foreground, and so what happens is it's like a special box or something that the camera's hooked up to so that when the director is filming the movie when he looks through the eyepiece he sees the background that they intend to put on the back when it gets printed so in other words it's sort of like the the modern day version is like the mandalorian where they shoot just like in a green screen green screen but and then they can in the oh they can see it while they're doing it yeah right it's it was early augmented reality yeah, yeah. So they're they're really excited because in those films, people can like walk in front of something and also behind it, but they can't interact with it at all, right? So, like, oh, so you, yeah, it is ex- essentially AR, yeah, putting it into the into yeah, the camera. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You at least have multiple layers that you're projecting. Right. The the can the results of the camera through. So yeah. So what wow. was what it did was it produced um it produced more uh saturated and sharper images than just like a projection than being filmed again. Um and mm-hmm. so that's why people liked it. And also they really, really pushed it and because it was a financial savings. So if you wanted to shoot the scene where it was used in Megaforce is when they're getting the tour of the base. So that oh, is that okay. is a set that they made like to scale. So it's like a teeny tiny set. Right. They filmed it and then they put the actors in front of it. Um, oh. And so it looks real. But if you were to like film that in an actual studio, now you have to build this like 40 foot tall set so that you can get that wide shot. It was very uh, reminiscent of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that whole base thing. But uh, I'll tell you, if they were using that technology on the flying motorcycle scene, it, it failed oh. horribly. I think that was done by Zootropic. On or wires. <laughs> yeah. I know that the other company did the skydiving scene, not this Intravision company. Oh, that Zotro- oh yeah, there was two technologies that they were yeah. boasting. And I don't... Zoptic, Zoptic Zoptic special effects system. There we go. Okay, well, what the hell is that? <laughs> it's like similar, but I, different. Different, yeah. I think it's like um, it's more like blue screen. It certainly looked like it, didn't it? But uh, yeah. Okay, well, we can leave that one alone. Unless <laughs> Jacob has more to tell us, he has a lot of notes. I just wrote, is this Space Mountain next to that? Because I didn't understand what that meant. <laughs> and, I don't know. You, you can put as many trademarks as you want in there, and it can still be bad. Like, it doesn't matter what it's called. Oh. 
I like that. That that's a very very it's very direct. Well, special Becky effects and... without a story are a very boring thing. <laughs> what I heard at one time, a man who then went on to make some very boring prequels that had a lot of special effects in them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I uh, I also did a deep dive on Geronimo because when they jump out of the plane, they say that, and I was like, ah, oh, I was right. like, is that kind of cringy? Uh, and it's interesting. Um, uh, yeah, like the actual Geronimo, there's like a legend that when he was being chased, he jumped off a cliff, and that's why people say it when they're jumping. However, like real references, um, the first one is like during the first world war and like paratroopers saw a film about Geronimo and then um, the day before they were to do their first jump. And then when they went to jump to like calm their nerves, they said Geronimo. And then there's another story from a different military base where apparently there's a song called Geronimo that the servicemen really loved and they adopted it. We've really gone off the beaten path with this. Yeah, I, I did. I was like, why am I looking this up? But I, I was just living in Canada and First Nation stuff is a real big deal. I was like, it's probably not cool to be saying this. Yeah, that was a really deep, dark hole you went down. Yeah, I just wanted to know why we say it. I was like, that doesn't seem, like I don't, you know, every time that I see like spandex up someone's butt, I don't go, Bostwick! But I will now. <laughs> I will now. <laughs> and give it a thumb kiss. You will, you will and you should, yeah. <laughs> but it's funny It's it's funny that you say that because I actually had the same reflex. Like, I Googled it and Wikipedia it and Yahoo and, and Binged it and whatever. Because uh, I wanted to know, like... I threw all the search it? engines at it. <laughs> I binged exactly. it. Altifista, yes. everything that's available. Ask Jeeves. So I... I, I wanted to know, is this where it came from? And like, no, it's it's been a thing for a long time, oddly enough, because I do know that I don't want to give spoilers away, but there are other films in the future that may be reviewed by certain people that have introduced pioneering phrases into the world. And I wanted to know if this was another example, but no, it's actually a thing. And I was very surprised to learn that. Wow. It's like, may the force be with you, but, but worse. <laughs> As if the U.S. Army had growing video, I think is what you meant. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't have set that up any better. Oh, I mean, it's all on the wheel. It all comes around. It's all on the wheel. It all comes around. (laughs) Oh, such nonsense dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Everybody's got bills to pay. So you can't fault. That's right. Michael or Barry. Or Henry any of the Silva. Actors. Henry Silva. Uh, you can fault whoever wrote this movie. Um, I didn't look that up. That's interesting. I think I didn't want to know. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> They've probably gone on to a successful career of children's literature. Oh, I was going to say, it's one of those things where you find out, like, they wrote, like, on Golden Pond or something, and you're like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> I'm so confused. He wrote the modern... Like Transformers movies and the new Star Trek movie. What's wrong with you? The ghostwriter for Godfather. Yeah. <laughs> this was actually taken from a very old Shakespeare sonnet. <laughs> Megaforce. 
That would explain the slogan that never shows up in the movie, Deeds Not Words. Totally Shakespeare. Deeds Not Words. Uh, Working title, The Tempest. (laughs) (laughs) Slash out damn spot. I mean, and there's that classic line that's from Shakespeare as well that uh, Egg says to Dallas. uh, He says, what is it if you don't have less on? And he's like, moron. Moron. (laughs) It's like, really? Like, this is how low the bar is in this movie. (laughs) It actually took me a beat to catch on to that because I was like, less on. Oh, it was a joke. It was so bad. Yes. Um. Egg is Egg is a character that I feel like didn't get his due in this movie. I feel like they could have made a lot more use out of out of Egg. Which one? Was I don't. Egg? I don't know why, but I feel like. Oh yeah. There, okay. There should have been kind of like a Q James Bond type of scene with Egg, like introducing the amazing um, advanced technology ever. I can't do it. Yeah, of the most advanced design. <laughs> of the most advanced design. <laughs> <laughs> mad most and then egg is design. just walking them through like design is how it works and here's what our process is and here's how we did all of this stuff um i feel like he he was he was owed something and instead they used him for um comedic effect um and it wasn't very effective <laughs> no no i think poorly timed comedy is uh another it would be a hashtag <laughs> on this one I mean, I will say before we wrap up that uh, that uh, we have um, Jacob here, and uh, I'm always uh, learning from him about privacy. And it is pretty alarming what Megaforce and Egg can do in their headquarters. We can listen to any phone call. I love how it's just like touted as this like amazing thing. And right now, like Apple's like, hey, we're going to scan you for kitty porn. And people are like, what? (laughs) Oh, 80s. Such an innocent. They had technology to not only translate the phone calls of people that they were listening to, but also the emotions. So they were listening to some Chinese general speaking to his wife or something and he just sounds so sad. And he sounded like this. And it's not like Siri. So that was some advanced technology right there. Uh, I think I fell asleep at that part. I remember that too. I was like, <laughs> "Wow, the la- the the voice isn't even like the robotic like translator voice. It's like the translator is like actually conveying emotion as well." Oh, I'm right. sorry, honey. I'll be right home. I was like, "What?" Like, <laughs> they picked up a they picked up a random stereotypical Russian guy off the street to do a, a Chinese general's translation. Oh, of course. Why wouldn't you? That's the countries are right next to each other. They both have militaries. <laughs> Absolutely makes sense. I, I also do have to say during these like technology sequences in the base, um, I don't know what's happening on the screen, which is a common thing in like old movies. <laughs> but like seriously, like they're listening to a phone call and there is like an oscilloscope on the screen. I'm like, that's not. I don't. The audio isn't even lying. I what. <laughs> The most advanced design. <laughs> Which is to say back then they weren't very advanced. <laughs> oh right. Like you you don't have like spandex now, do you? They spent thousands on oscilloscopes, okay? <laughs> to to represent their tech. <laughs> I mean 
come on, this had to influence the Star Trek TNG because they're all wearing like one piece unitards as well. Yeah, but they true, weren't as flimsy true. and they didn't show camel toe or moose knuckle or any other wildlife. Well, that's the story behind Riker putting his knee up on every chair is to get rid of his uh... camel knuckle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> moose toe. I'm mixing it all up now, aren't I? The most advanced design. <laughs> <laughs> now I want that to be in like a techno jam. <laughs> we gotta incorporate that into some sort of song, or I don't know. I just love the hit a button, the most advanced design. I'm just gonna take the clip of uh, Barry Boswick doing the barrel roll, and then just have it like, play like a gif, like playing over and over again with you saying that. <laughs> yeah, I don't do it as well as Josh. Jacob. He should Jacob. definitely. Why did I say Josh? Sorry, that Jacob. Barrel roll, shouldn't he? <laughs> what did you say? He should definitely fall off in the middle of that barrel roll, shouldn't he? There's no seat there's, belt. There's no friction. I, he's not spinning no fast friction. enough for any kind of centripetal force. And and that uh, that spandex is just too smooth for him to actually grip onto anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. By this point in the movie, they had already exhausted their quota of only two people getting hurt. <laughs> okay. The snake and then the guy that fell off the motorcycle. Yeah, Maybe that was point. an insurance thing. I I like the idea that just to kind of like bring it all together, what you've been saying is that he fired off like his rockets and stuff. And those flames melted the spandex to the bike. And that's why when he did the barrel roll, he didn't fall off because his pants have been melted to the wow that's a stretch even by yeah head cannon a little bit yep yep possible I, but the one thing that i didn't touch on in my notes probably that i wanted to say was when they leave to go on operation hook line and sinker <laughs> with high tech advanced technology um she meets him at the back of the plane and they do their little sad goodbye she's like i understand you can't take me because i'm weak and yeah it's horrible uh but let's make out um and then he does this nonsensical like spinning leap onto the plane and I was like, what was that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, I just couldn't stop myself. I'm like, really? You was giddy with lust. Yes, but I was like, <laughs> I feel like if someone kissed me and then like spun around and did that, I'd be like, don't call me, I'll call you. <laughs> <laughs> Take That's it down lovely. a notch. We've only known each other for two days. <laughs> In movie time, yes. I have a request though before we go. I just Jacob, you gotta hit us one more time with the with the line. We use high technology weapons of the most advanced design. Yes. They're still on the drawing board, but they will be in use by the time this movie is out a year later. That is gold, <laughs> my friend. Gold. Some the most advanced design. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There's another one last line from Wikipedia that I really loved. 
Uh, Boswick claimed the Pentagon tried to stop the movie by withholding 40 army tanks <laughs> needed for the bigger battle sequences because the movie's strike force, quote, was very close to covert CIA strike forces still in existence. Wow. Now, if that doesn't give you nightmares, thinking that this thing really existed, then I don't know what does. Wow. How did they get the colors on the lightning bolts so close? <laughs> it's almost like it was an they inside smoke bombs. green now. They had an inside person. I like the idea that uh, Evil Knievel was really a top agent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's, Good times. Yeah. I'm curious, do they have, like, the actual, like, quote of the beginning of the movie? No, they don't, of course they don't. Oh, here comes the egg, and that's no yolk. <laughs> that's what I said. Michael Beck got all the best lines. Yeah. Most backstory. Mm-hmm. That's right. He should have been the protagonist. Oh, hey, uh, IMDb has um, the line that uh, Jacob told us earlier, but it has like the actual uh, line that goes with the totally inapplicable, which was what really like blew my mind probably. is like, Yeah. Yeah, Hunter's like, well, well, what did he tell you? And Dell says, well, he said, you love them blue and you love them red. But most of all, you love them in blue. <laughs> I don't right. know what that means. I'm so I was confused. hoping that somebody here would know what that meant because I didn't know. No, me neither. Uh, I remember that. I'm not getting. Please write in, Mom. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be cool if, like, Michael Beck or Barry Boswick was listening in? Um, <laughs> and if you are, we love you. <laughs> Just, we know everyone had to pay the rent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think I do need to make a, a public apology uh, to the three of you for tagging you in my Instagram of Barry <laughs> Boswick and his silhouette penis. Well, I'm, I'm not on Instagram, so there you go. Oh, <laughs> you tag someone else. This should be interesting. Yeah, yes, <laughs> that's what it's you really get. Funny when I saw that because I didn't notice it from the silhouette. Like actually during the movie, I was just too upset at the fact of like what was actually going on. <laughs> right, <laughs> they were shutting down the only woman to have you know any chance of doing anything interesting in this movie. Um, but yeah, and then I saw the picture on Instagram and on Twitter. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm only like 12 in my That's mind, okay. even though I'm closer to 50. Is it on Twitter? Oh, I have to so, 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 but I'm not the only 12 year old. So apparently <laughs> I read somewhere that uh, Bostwick said, maybe it was IMDb, so you don't know. But Bostwick said after like right when the film was released that it was just a mistake. It was just his hands as he was talking with his hands and that just happened. But in like a 2004 wow. interview with someone, they brought it up and he claims that he did it on purpose because he was mad at Hal Needham because Hal Needham got him, got him into some sort of Ponzi scheme and he lost money. And I was like, I think it's better just to say that like people see what they see. It was just a mistake. Like I was just gesturing with my hands. But no, you're going to go ahead and bring in the fact that you lost money to a bad director. Good job. <laughs> wow every every 10 years the story will get more interesting oh that's true well yeah 
And that uh, shadow longer. Ponzi scheme, his executive producer credit on this movie. <laughs> and, and there it is. There's <laughs> that's that's an amazing silhouette. And what is that Sauron behind her? Like what? <laughs> 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 wow like what is e- I, wow okay part of the GCU that's right the GCU um, hold on what was what did that stand for again <laughs> I was just gonna ask Greece you the cinematic universe oh yes the Greece cinematic universe the Greece cinematic universe this is a better movie let's write it yes where we take the cast of Greece and send them to the mountain Yes. Uh, singing. Um, <laughs> we have to put John Travolta in this volcano. Um, <laughs> in the, sorry, I just lost the plot there. Travolta's the ring. Ah, I should have picked up on that. That's okay. <laughs> okay. All right, well... <laughs> How do, we, how do we wrap this thing up again? We need to make a determination, right? Is this so bad it's good? Mm-hmm. I, uh, it, no. <laughs> God, no. It is so bad that it's bad. Um, Arden wraps up the film like the film itself was written. But, uh, uh, what? Uh, no. No. That's the dialogue of this film? Yeah. I, no. <laughs> That's one no. All right. Uh, well, for me, I would say yes. Shockingly enough, uh, there were parts of this movie that I really, really, really didn't like. But like, if you view it through the glasses of like, it's a Nancy Reagan fever dream, where there is an entire force that goes out for doing good in the world. Uh, it's American, but not really. Uh, it's violent, but not really. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed it. I really enjoy talking about it and laughing about it. And I feel like that puts it at a contrast with a few of the other films that I've seen in the series <laughs> that we've done in the past. But your hat, is, yeah. your hat is a shark fin though, right? Still. That's right. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I, I will concede that it was a lot, actually, it was a lot more fun to discuss the movie than it was to watch it. <laughs> yeah. I like. The, I would agree with that. I like this. Like, like, we have to adjust the poster so it doesn't say deeds, not words, and it says Jacob Cook says Nancy Reagan fever dream. Nancy <laughs> Reagan fever dream with the big rainbow and star glasses. Oh, like the the, the pride smoke screen. The last and two entries in my it. notes. The the last two entries in my notes are Nancy Reagan fever dream and mega farts in all caps. So I think that's, <laughs> that does it for me. I, I, I do love the, the pride smokescreen just because um, when they first turn it on, I'm like, okay, no, this is like, I never once thought like I was still the little boy with the motorcycles firing missiles, guys doing wheelies to shoot balloons. How do you aim anyway? But I would, I didn't even think like, oh, that fire from the rocket is really going to hurt them. But when the smoke screen came on, it was like it was coming from the front of the yes. bike and the drivers were all in the smoke. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is not good. No. That's probably why you don't have any cars left. <laughs> More people probably were hurt in the making of the film than the actual film depiction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, well, <laughs> or in the viewing. 
I I I'm with the. Uh, it's interesting because, uh, I think the first time I watched it, I was like all by myself, and I was like, "This movie is bananas! Totally gonna put this on film frown." And then I got distracted and and forgot about it. And uh, then when I watched it the second time, I was like, "Oh no." This is not fun. What have I done? Yeah, yeah. I was like, somehow, maybe it's the distance in, like, kilometers between me and Paul, but somehow Paul remains my friend when I send him these things. Wow. <laughs> like I said, the things we do for this podcast. Yes. I, uh, I, I enjoyed watching this movie, but I enjoyed watching it because I, I knew that we would have a lot of fun with the discussion afterward. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a, if it's truly a so bad, it's good. Cause I have a feeling if I did give it a second watch, it would be like, well, I don't have a purpose behind watching it this time. And I'm not going to have fun talking about it again with my friends. So maybe it would have a harsher lens thus on a, on a second viewing. Um, but there were scenes that stood out to me as like, the the uh the pig animation scene stood out to me as like as weird as that moment is i think it's like it's intentionally weird and it somehow fits the movie really well in that moment um and that was a piece that stood out to me um and some of the uh training scenes where he's kind of evaluating is she going to join the team or not even though he's not really evaluating that until you find out he's not really evaluating it i felt like oh this movie's on a good path and i'm having fun watching it and kind of seeing like her prove herself is kind of a cool storyline that's going on so there were pieces of it that i liked and i felt like it could have come together better and if it had then it would be in the so bad it's good column but then it just made decisions that went the other way (laughs) every time it had had the opportunity to be like okay I don't think there was ever going to be a great movie out of like a good movie out of it. But I think there was, there were points where it could have been so bad. It's good. And it just kept veering into nah, it's just bad. (laughs) But I had a lot of, I probably had more fun watching this movie than many of the others that we've watched (laughs) for for this show. Um, Wow. That's wow. That's saying something. This is the guy who doesn't like Barry Gordy's Last Dragon, am I right? Yeah. Like, what's wrong with him? I don't know. He just hates synths. <laughs> that was that was it. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. That's that's Hyper, my progressive synth soundtrack. Yeah. That's my next uh, my next uh, T-shirt uh, for sale. Will be a picture of Paul. It says, "I hate synth." That is so antithetical to the '80s. The '80s were nothing but synths. I hear what you're saying. (laughs) The best parts of this movie for me were the Barry Bostwick scenes with Henry Silva. Like the idea that this movie took and said, hey, we're really serious. This is serious stuff. Uh, Gambia is having some real problems. Not sure what nationality these people are because the general seems to be speaking with an English accent and his major with a different accent, perhaps Indian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm yeah. relatively sure at this point, Gambia still has apartheid. 
which yeah. is not great. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but then when you get Barry and uh, Henry Silva together, it's like the reason that this film takes place in the Nevada desert the whole time is because Barry and Henry ate the scenery. There was no scenery because the two of them, when they're together, have chewed it all up. Wow. He's, they're like, he's like, hey, buddy, how are you? And even the rest of the, like, the mega force, the other 59 guys are like, I don't, but, but we, we, we fight bad guys. Why is he here? I think that pig was there to be symbolic of how much they hammed it up. Oh, Ooh. that is a better pun than any of the puns in the movie. But um, bump. <laughs> Using the most advanced yep. technology. <laughs> I actually wish I would have gotten to see this movie when I was like nine years old and it was in the theaters. You know, I wonder what my prepubescent brain, how it would have processed this movie. I probably would have just loved it because of all the explosions. Well, it's the same as Knight Rider. It's like, oh my gosh, I love this show. Or A-Team, and then if you try to watch it now, oh, you're like... Oh, I did that with Battlestar Galactica, the original one. Bought the Cylon Helmet Box DVD set. Couldn't get past the first two episodes. Yeah. Okay. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, when you watch Didn't those, mean to kill it there, right? Yeah, yeah, when you watch those original Battlestar episodes, it makes you long for those Lauren Green dog food commercials. You're like, I'd rather watch that. I don't want to see him as Adama. Can I just see him selling dog food again? Uh, you can always borrow uh, Spock's brains up on the wall back there somewhere. That's right. Your way. Uh, oh, I'm just massively confused by that statement, but okay, Spock's brain. <laughs> you have yeah. Spock's brain is an episode in. Uh, oh, uh, an episode back there. I thought you're like, how did you get his actual brain? I don't see it anywhere. No, no. Oh, okay, you can, you can watch it on uh, the glory of VHS. Ah, oh, VHS. Is that the one where he's in the green jumpsuit that doesn't go up his moose knuckle? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's- we should probably stop talking. The Vulcan, I think he's got a dual moose knuckle. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> That's a rare one. That's a rare one. Wow. Forked, maybe? I don't know exactly what the terminology is. It, I, I got nothing. That explains the live long and prosper gesture, too. So... <laughs> I gotta say, nobody knows how to go, how to go oh, off the beaten path Jacob, like I'm this so crew. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, hey, Kevin Smith and crew, ease your heart out. We can we can take it right off the beaten track here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I really uh, am glad that we got to do this. It's good to talk to all of you, and that was probably the best part of my great to see you guys. I have to say, uh, first podcast yeah. since the pandemic, and uh, it was really nice to just get out of the house. I'm fully vaccinated, by the way. <laughs> you didn't scan your QR code on the way in. No, no, but I have this editable PDF <laughs> on my phone. I mean, never mind. Editable. There you go. <laughs> oh, you didn't hear about. You know what? This is not a political channel. Let's just. Um, That's right. Ace said he doesn't care about politics. It's all about the deeds. It's man. all about the deeds, not words. You shouldn't have. 
most advanced that's right. design. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the subplot that's going on there. It's like he just wants to do good things and blow stuff up like Guerrero, but he's a good guy. But then politics comes to play, and now he's trapped in this country. Right. Okay. Let's let's not regress. Yeah, you're right. It's yeah. I'm not gonna keep building plot where there is none. No. Where there where there never was any. It's, that's quicksand, son. That's quicksand. Okay, so sometime in the future, uh, I think we're doing the dungeon master in two weeks. What? Yeah. I have to. I'm gonna have to look at the schedule and then and, and sign up uh, for some of these. The dungeon master. Is that the what? No. Yeah, just an FYI, I've, I've stopped. I just went to a list, and they said, these are so bad, they're good. So that way, like, Paul will still love me. It sounds... It wasn't me. I didn't see it it's, first. It's not an S&M movie, is it? Oh, gosh, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, that woke Paul up. There is a trailer on YouTube, and it's pretty good. Yeah. And it, well, it's pretty bad, but I mean... Yeah, I think it was so called... Bad. I think it was originally called Rage. Uh, like, I shouldn't get into this until the next episode, but just for you people who are listening when this comes out, uh, it was originally called Rage War, and then um, it was released, like, in Europe and other places as Rage War. And then, because Dungeons & Dragons was so popular as a role-playing game, they changed the name to The Dungeon Master to get those kinds of people to come watch it, and... On the poster, they had to have a disclaimer that said, by the way, this movie has nothing to do with the Dungeons & Richard Maul is in it. Oh, my God. I think I actually saw this when it came out. I think you did, I too. I was a big Dungeons & Dragons nerd back in the day. Oh, my God. Okay. We'll have to look I'm convinced that Arden saw all these bad movies because Canada just doesn't have good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um... Will um, Dungeon Master roll a critical success? Find out on the next film frown. <laughs> Good. Hey, uh, does anyone have anything to plug? I think you're supposed to say that on podcast. Uh, no, I shut my restaurant down during the pandemic, so I got no business to plug. And um, yeah, I'm not wearing spandex, so there's nothing plugging for me. Uh, <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I just got a visual in my head that I didn't need to. Oh, <laughs> uh, what about you, Jacob? You got anything going on? Nothing to plug for me. I'm Peak Winter on Instagram and on Twitter. You write it out like it sounds, and uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and if you if you write to him, he'll respond, and he'll wow. be on your podcast. <laughs> it's a pretty safe bet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He stayed, he stayed for this whole call for some reason. So yeah, yeah it was my robot voice. Um, <laughs> it's a fetish. Uh, so, <laughs> hey, if there's one thing I've learned over the last couple of years, laughter is gold. Yeah, didn't get yes. enough of that over the last couple of years. So Barry Bostwick was wearing laughter this whole time in the movie. Um, <laughs> Spandex as medicine. Spandex as medicine. I hate that phrase so very much. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so Paul ended it best when he did his, like, stay tuned voice. But I'm just going to remind everyone before we sign off. The good guys always win. 
even in the 80s. follow you.